I'm so excited this morning to be a part of a church that is on a worldwide mission. And have missionaries who understand what the big deal is. And that's to connect one more person to Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about this month is what are the big deals? The point we made last Sunday was this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. And that's so appropriate as we begin this new year. If you don't set the priorities over the things that God says are really big, your life is going to become so crowded that you'll never get them in. You won't choose to shake your hand at God and defy Him. He'll just get crowded out. In fact, let me tell you this morning, that's Satan's strategy. Satan's strategy is to crowd the big deals out. That's what he does. I could give you so many illustrations, but let me give you one that's appropriate right now. How about... The expansion of college football. I mean, I love college football. Most of us do. And, and yet we've seen through the years, it changed. I can remember when I was growing up when, when teams played 10 games a year. Anybody remember that? Raise your hand. And, and then we expanded it to an 11th game to make a little bit more money. And then we decided we had these kickoff games before the season, which went to number 12. And then as a conference, we added number 13 for the SEC championship which that was fun, and now we've got the semifinal, number 14, and tomorrow we have number 15, the championship. Do you see how it's expanded on us? It used to be years ago, there was one game of the week on TV, one game of the week. Now you can wake up on Saturday and you can watch football all day long. And you watch the way games are scheduled. Some of you Auburn fans, Alabama game fans, you've been to Auburn and Tuscaloosa to games that are scheduled at 8 p.m. that you don't get home till 1 or 2. Now, this is what's really shocked me. ESPN does not call the churches and ask us about scheduling. All right? The, the, that's not high on their agenda. Now, let me tell you, as a preacher, what I've watched. Years ago, fall was the best time of the year for a church. Everybody was settled back into school. Everybody came to church. It was high energy. I'm telling you, it's not true anymore. And the culprit is this sport we love because we stay up all late hours. We go to these games. And by the time we get to church, we're all worn out. And again, that's not a bad thing. But so many things in our culture are just like this. Not bad things, but we just add and add and add and add. And as we do that, some of the important things in our life are crowded out. And that's why we've got to remember this morning God's strategy, which is to keep us focused on the big deals. That's why you've got to be reading your Bible or you won't get it. That's why you need to be coming to church because every Sunday we meet and we remember, especially around the Lord's table, what is the really big deal. And so this morning, I want to look at just two passages. The, the word big is a a synonym for the word great. And there are two passages in the New Testament that we call great. We, uh, we're going to look at the great commission and the great commandments. These are two things that stand out to us that need to be big deals. Now, last Sunday, we looked at what we call the big deals for us in individual discipleship. Today, we're going to talk about the big deals that we do together as a church, let's go back to Matthew 28. Look at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. It's ten days after the resurrection. 
Jesus is close to leaving, and he wants to give his disciples his final commission. Look at verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I don't know about you, but I, I'm so glad that's there. Because sometimes we're, we're, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you to raise your standard, raise your commitment. But I want you to understand, even these 11 who had witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in the midst of their worship, they're not perfect. And so I'm not challenging you this today to be a perfect person, because I know you couldn't do it. Neither can I. But I am challenging you to listen to the words that Jesus said to these imperfect people who are even doubting in the midst of worship. Then he said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What's Jesus? The resurrection has confirmed who I am. I am the son of God. I am in charge and I deserve to be in charge of your life. I have A-L-L, all authority. And then he gives them the marching orders. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. We call this the Great Commission. Now, everything in this passage centers around two words, make disciples. Everything else, go, teach, baptize, teach some more, modifies those two words, make disciples. Now, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? It simply means to be a follower, an imitator. You see, what Jesus is doing here, he's saying to these guys, I spent three years with you, molding you and making you into to my followers. Now, here's what I want you to do. I'm leaving, but I want you to turn around, and I want you now to call people into that same relationship with me. So they become followers. And guys, this is a big deal. As a church, we're not trying to make church members. We're trying to make disciples. Now, how do we do it as a church? What's our process? Well, you can read it on the walls that surround you. And let me just review those with you quickly. First of all, our first step in this process is for all of us to come together to adore God. This is that Sunday morning commitment to be here for worship and to be here in our classes to get in the Word of God, to put the focus on God. And let me tell you, when you begin to adore God, you see, here's the deal about worship. This is the problem with idols, is that whatever you worship, you become like. And so at least on Sunday morning, we gather together to go, here's who we worship, here's who we listen to through his word, and it begins to change us. And then we challenge each other, and this next step is to belong to a family. You see, we would not be fulfilling the purposes of God if we only asked you to make this your place to attend. We don't want this to be just a place you attend. We desire, God desires, for this to be a family you belong to. And so our challenge is to get you out of these rows and into circles. Well, where did we learn that? We learned that in the first century when the church exploded. Acts 20, verse 20, the church explodes. They begin to meet in the temple courts and from house to house. They have large gatherings and then they have home gatherings and my friends, that begins to change me. Because the Bible says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 
We grow most when we're in relationships with other people who help us become more like Jesus, who even sometimes get on our nerves, but we learn to love people in the name of Jesus. And so as a church, you know it's a big deal to us that every member is a part of some kind of small group. And that's why this month of January is so important because we are rebooting our small group ministry. We've shut it down for a month and a half. And in the midst of this, we are reorganizing and training leaders. And we're going to start great groups, whether they be home groups we call life groups, our building-based groups on Wednesday nights we call ABC groups. You're going to see an amazing list of diversity. In fact, next Sunday, I'll introduce you to the simplest way we've ever formed small groups. That if you've never been in a small group, I can tell you next Sunday how you could gather some of your friends and start a small group immediately. Now, I understand this makes a huge difference. One thing I'm so proud of our Birmingham campus. Do you know at our Birmingham campus, their small group attendance is higher than their Sunday morning attendance because they are reaching out to so many people in their neighborhoods to be a part of that. And I saw that this week. Uh, right here in this building, I conducted the memorial service for an older gentleman named Don Wilson. Don and his precious wife, Linda, came here about five years ago. He was already in his very late 60s, early 70s. And, and they came to this big church. And what struck me the last few days as I would visit the hospital or as I'd gather with the family, and I came here for the service, you know who they knew in this church? They knew their life group. They had chosen to be a part of Bill Page and Tommy Vaught's life group. Bill Page is 80 years old. You know what their life group calls themselves? They call themselves the youth group. (laughs) That's about the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. All right? And I'm telling you, though, man, when it came to food, when it came to meal afterwards, when it came to pallbearers and reception and everything going on, they were surrounded by that life group. You know, when you're an older age and you don't have children in common, how hard it is to connect with the church? But they saw the B in our discipleship process, and they belonged to a family, and it acted like a family. And I'm going to challenge you over the next month that you find that family because it will change you. And then our next step is the C, which is care for the world. What we want to do is get everybody in this great church involved in service, in this church, in this community. And and that's why we encourage you to make sure we've got your faith works form. Because that's how we plug you in. And let me tell you this. That changes you too. There's something that happens within you when you go out and you serve people. You know what Jesus said? When you serve the least of these, guess who you're going to see? You're going to see him. You're going to encounter God in the midst of your service. And then we close out our process all the way back to the beginning, which is disciple somebody. You you see, what Jesus said to his disciples was, I want you to do what I do. You watch me. And what we want to do is, is we are growing as disciples, and we want to reach behind us and go, would you come along with me? I know I'm not perfect. I know my life's not, not all together, but I'm telling you this, I, I'm going toward Jesus. And if you follow me, as I follow Christ, you'll be okay. And you begin to give yourself to reaching someone and maturing someone into Christ. Now, adore, belong, care, disciple. We teach that in Landmark 101. And, and we say to people that are new to this church, 
before they ever become members, this is what we can promise you. We're going to do a really good job creating great worship environments, wonderful small group opportunities, places for you to serve, and an opportunity for you to reach someone for Christ. I tell them in 101, if you don't feel comfortable inviting your friend to this church, don't become a member. You need to find a church you would like to become a member of and you'd like to invite your friends to. That's the expectation we tell them they can expect out of us. And then we also turn the page and say, this is what we expect out of you. We expect you to be involved in our Sunday morning worship and time of the Word. We expect you to be involved in a small group, ministry, and discipling somebody. That's what we all do together as a church. And the elders have asked me this month to go back and to remind us of that same challenge we give to a new person. And to ask you, are you meeting that challenge? Because, again, we don't want you just to like this place or just plop down in this place. We want you to be a disciple. That's who we want to be. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. It all starts right here. That's amazing to me. It all starts right here in this assembly. The adore part starts. For most people that we reach, we reach them by you inviting them to this assembly. And then the process starts. And that's why right now we are working so hard at everything we do to relook at what happens on Sunday morning. Whether it's the parking lot and guest parking, and let me just say this plainly, some of you need to repent for taking the guest parking, okay? <laughs> Go move your car right now. I <laughs> know. But I'm just saying, we, we want that. We, greeters on the sidewalk, greeters in here, information desk, the way thing. We are working to make this the most inviting environment. And now I want to talk to you about something we're working on too. And so if the men now would go to the back and hand out what we call our connection card. We're about to introduce you to a new connection card. And um, we've been working with actually an expert in this about what a card should be like and how we get people to fill it out. Because listen to me, if we don't get this card, our process can't start. Here's some of our process. If we get a guest card, I'm going to do my dead level best on Sunday afternoon to call them. Okay? That's the start. Uh, On Monday, we will have ladies in this office that are busy with all of these cards. The guest cards, your cards, prayer requests, they will be putting them on the computer on Monday so that we have all this information. So when we have staff meeting, we'll know what to do. Now, here's what we're developing right now. What are we going to do with the first-time guests? How will it look different for second-time guests, for a regular attender? How do we work this process? We're working really hard at that. And this expert's been really fun for us to work with because... He has told us some things. He said, what you don't want to do is make your guests do anything that your members aren't doing. And what guests don't want today is they don't want to be pointed out. You understand that? Anybody remember going to churches years ago where we would ask the guests to stand up? All our guests stand up. Well, we we, we knew they didn't like that. So then we started going, would all the members stand up? And then we could see the folks who weren't standing up were our guests. And they don't like that. And then we've done something here that we've all loved, which is those little guest name tags that sort of stick out and go, hey, this person's a guest. And you know what we found out? Sorry, they don't like that either. They want to be able to come to church and be as as anonymous as possible to check this out and to check the Lord out 
And so what we're trying to do is make this as easy as we can. So we're not going to ask our guests to do anything we don't do. So each week, at a certain part in our service, you will be prompted to fill out this card. And this card, there's a lot of research behind it. They say that for people to fill a card out, it doesn't need to be a tear-off. Less people will fill a tear-off than a loose card. So we'll put this in your bulletin every week. And we even found out the weight of the paper it needed to be. And we found out that we needed some new pens, all right? Would you guys give a hand for the new pens? This is pretty awesome, you know what I mean? I'm sure you already used them for your sermon outline. But um, all this has been researched. And so at some point in the service, we're going to ask everyone to fill this out. Now, here's what I'm asking you. You're such good folks. What you're going to want to do is get in here and go and fill your card out. Do not fill your card out, not even right now, until you've been prompted. Because what we want is a guest to see they're not doing anything different than the members. Because if you've already filled your card out and they're sitting on the same pew with you and you don't do anything, when someone gets up here and says, fill your card out, they'll go, I'm not going to do that. But if all of us are filling the card out together, when prompted, if you won't do a miraculous thing and write legibly, we can do this all together. We're even asking you this. It's better for us because of the prayer request on the back and for our guests if every husband and wife fills a card out every week. See, the truth is, for many of us, Sunday morning, we will be around more non-believers than any other time of the week. And we've got to do this right. And so, I'm so excited. Because once we have this card, I mean, look on the back. There's all kinds of things people can check, whether they want to know more about being a Christ follower, or become involved in a ministry, or where their children will fit in, or get in a small group. Or volunteer, and you all know this prayer request part is maybe the most important part of the whole card because every week your leadership prays two or three times over your prayer request. But it all starts, <laughs> remember me, it all starts with this card. And so we're going to do this together today. I want to invite our connection minister, uh, Wes Corian, who's in charge of these cards, and the success or failure of this is all on this man's shoulders, okay? So, please pay close attention as he challenges us to fill this out together. Appreciate that pressure, buddy. Uh, my name's Wes. I'm the Connections Minister. It's my privilege to be so and honor to stand before you today. We, we um, are so excited about where we are headed as a church. I don't know about you, I get so energized uh, by the new year. I recognize that's a little bit irrational because January 1 is just another day. Uh, but it seems like everybody's on the same page and has some good, good momentum uh, moving forward. We certainly do as a church, so we're honored that you are here uh, with us, whether you are a first-time guest or a long-time uh, member. So uh, d- take out your connection card that you've just been given. This is the prompting that Buddy uh, promised was coming. Uh, he set us up brilliantly, gave us a lot of good reasons for why we're doing uh, what we're doing, but we will do this each week together as a body. Uh, and go ahead and begin filling it out. I want to say first to our members, you don't, do not need to feel the need unless your information has changed to fill out this card in its entirety uh, each week. The front of the card, you can just write your name. I'm going to go ahead and start filling out my card as well. Uh, Buddy acknowledged in first service. I'll acknowledge now that this is the fir- maybe the first time I have ever filled out a card myself. 
You write your children's names and ages as well. Or, if, or There's five people in your family. You might write all five are here, but we do want husband and wife, everybody to fill out uh, that card. Uh, just a little bit of clarification on that third line. You want, if you're a first or second time guest, it's fairly self-explanatory. You want to mark... Uh, the appropriate box, but if you've been out here over a couple times, you want to mark that you are a regular attendee. You're starting to get into a rhythm. Uh, you keep coming back to Landmark, hopefully uh, because you, you enjoy being here. And then if you've placed membership with us here at Landmark, then you would check the box that you are a member. Now, if you are a guest, we want to uh, invite you and encourage you to fill out this card in its entirety, or at least give us as much information as you feel comfortable uh, sharing. We know there's quite a bit of information there, but By you giving us as much information as you're willing to give us, it helps us as a leadership team and as a church to keep you in the loop about all the wonderful things that that God is doing here at Landmark, all the upcoming events and all the happenings and all of the movements uh, in this church. We want to stay in touch with you and make sure you know uh, that it is an honor for us to have you and that you are welcome here. So, Please fill out that card in its entirety, guests, uh, or at least give us as much information as you are comfortable giving. Now I turn your attention to the back of the card, and Buddy's already highlighted the fact that we're a praying church and a praying leadership team, and and certainly if you have any prayer requests, whatever's on your heart, we want you to write those in, uh, as well as ask for any information on various ministries of this church. Uh, But there at the beginning, assign me up for, in your copy of Lifelines, every week you will be pointed uh, in the direction of when our next Landmark 101 class and lunch is. If you're unfamiliar, guess, with Landmark 101, this is a class and a lunch that's offered about every six weeks. It's required for membership here at Landmark uh, that discusses our beliefs, what we believe as a church, and what our practices are, what our vision is, our strategy, where we are headed. This is a class taught by me and Buddy and a lunch offered by uh, several of our volunteers. Our Landmark ambassadors show up and do a great job. It's a great ministry and a great opportunity for you to learn more about our church. So you can always, guess, sign up for Landmark 101 by indicating how many people from your family will be attending. And you can always locate the date for the next 101 in your copy of Lifelines. January 29th will be our next Landmark 101 here in just a few short weeks. And we want to invite you guests uh, to come and be with us. It is a wonderful event. Uh, We love to have you. So in just a minute, we are going to receive our offering and ask the Lord to bless all that we have brought into this place today. And every week at that time, we'll ask you to put in your connection card along with your prayer request. Everything on this card will go into the plates Uh, as they are passed. If you brought a a, a gift and offering with you, we want you to drop that in the plate, but we want everybody to turn in this uh, connection card. We thank you for uh, making this or helping us um, make this a team effort. This isn't just me or Buddy. This is a team effort. It takes all of us uh, to see as many as possible come to know the Lord uh, in this place. I want to point you now to a passage of Scripture as we ask the Lord to bless our time of offering this passage comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now bear with me for a second as I, as I share a Greek word with you. I'm not in the practice of sharing a lot of Greek words. Um, but the Greek word, hilaros, is what we have translated in the NIV to mean cheerful. And that connotes a, a, a willingness and a ready joyfulness. And that word hilaros, we transliterate the word hilarious. And so what the, what the Lord is saying to us in this passage is that when we come into this place each week and we bring our gift, we don't give under compulsion, we don't give begrudgingly, we come with a joyful readiness and willingness. And we, in fact, give hilariously. It's just so, it's fun. It's fun to give. It's, it's fun to be a part of what the Lord is doing, to participate in what he's doing in the kingdom and in the body of Christ. So I love that. And that puts the, 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 the grace of giving in a new light and a new frame for me, and hopefully it does for you as well. So what we give uh, means nothing without the Lord's touch on it. So we want to ask the Lord to bless what we have brought this morning. And, and as the, the, the plates are passed here in just a moment, place your gift as well as your connection card. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise this morning for being among us. Lord, we know that, that without you, it would really just be an empty building. So we thank you for uh, your presence here. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the mission that you have set us on uh, to be a part of and to embrace. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would bless this grace of giving that you bestowed upon us. Father, we pray that, that we would uh, give cheerfully, uh, with a joyful and willing readiness. Lord, that we would give hilariously because it's so great to be a part of, of who you are, made in your image, to do the things that we see you doing. Lord, you give of yourself so well and constantly. Your blessings overflow. So, Lord, our hearts overflow today as we have a chance to, to bless others, to bless your holy name. We pray this in Christ Jesus and the church said, amen. Um, I must say this. Um, our brother Wes is doing a great job in spearheading these efforts for us to do better in all this. So give, give him a hand and thank him for the hard work he's doing. Let's look at our next big deal passage. We're, we're, we call this the Great Commandments. It's a pretty interesting context. Um, the Sadducees that come after Jesus, they're trying to trick him with these questions, and they've asked him this crazy question about if a man's been married and all his wives have died, and he's got a fifth wife, who will be his wife in heaven? And Jesus just sort of knocks it out of the park. And then the Pharisees are going to step up, and, and they're trying to trick him. That brings us to Matthew 22, verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, they think this is going to stump him because they decided there are 634 commandments. They don't realize that Jesus is thrilled with this question. He's been wanting to get this his whole ministry. What are the big deals, Jesus? What does God really care about? Listen to his answer. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. What's Jesus say? You want to know what's most important to God? Two things. Simplified for all of us. You love God and you love people. I have a good friend of mine who, after growing up in church, we made it so complicated. He said, when we come to Judgment Day, I think there are going to be only two questions. How did you love God and how did you love people? And I want to ask you, as we enter this new year, and you look back on the year 2016, you see, how do we measure if you're a disciple? You know, I mean, every, every, you know, in school, you measure your success through grades. In sports, you've got a scoreboard. In business, you've got a bottom line. How do we measure ourselves individually and even as a church as to whether we're being successful or not? Let me ask you two questions about the year 2016. Did you love God more? Did you fall more in love with God? Is your relationship with God closer today than it was the beginning of last year? And did you love people better? What would the people in your home say? What would the people where you work say? What would the people in this church say? Did you love people better? You see, that's the measuring stick as to whether we're becoming disciples of Jesus. We love God more. We love people better. And that's why as a church, we try to keep this really, really clear. We want the great commandments to be paramount. And that's why every Sunday, you hear us give this mission and vision statement. And the mission statement reflects the greatest commandment. And the vision statement, the second commandment. Go ahead and show those up there. The mission statement is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. The vision statement is to be a community that shows the love of Jesus to people experiencing life struggles. That's our measuring stick given by God for us as a church. We can't forget that. Because, listen to me. Let, me, let me be negative, then let me be positive. If we don't do this, then we're not pleasing God. If you and I are not growing to love God more and to love people better, we've missed it. And, and we dare not call ourselves the church of Jesus Christ. We dare not think that we're representing Him if we're not becoming not perfect, but more and more loving toward God and more and more loving toward people. That's what we evaluate things on. Now, that's the negative slant. We've got to be loving God and loving people or we're not pleasing God. But here's the positive slant I want to leave you with. If we would have a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandments, God will use us to grow a great church, a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandments will grow a great church. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. When we step out on this, we become partners with God. And whether you're a first-time guest or a long-time member, I hope you leave this place today 
crystal clear in your mind what we're trying to do as a church. And I invite you, whether you're a longtime member that's faded or a first-time guest, to join us on this mission. You know, this is material that we always go over in Landmark 101. And about a month ago, Katie Beth McCarthy came to me, and she was all fired up about what's going on in the church. And she said, I want to write a letter for you to read to people that are coming through Landmark 101 about my journey with this church. I said, please send it to me. And I, I got it, and I, I asked her, I said, that, this says what I want to say this Sunday. Can I use it? And she gave me permission, so I want to, I want to read this to you. Dear new Landmark members, my husband's and, husband and I became members at Landmark in the early months of 2010. We completed Landmark 101 just as you're doing now. And although we were filled with excitement about this new journey, we had never truly committed ourselves to a church body. And we weren't sure at all what that looked like. Now I would have never guessed that. I'm writing you this letter to encourage you to take this seriously. Your new membership here. And I want to encourage you to make a commitment in your heart and to decide in your mind that you'll do everything in your power to let, make Landmark better. To seek not what is best for you, but what is best for this church. Because I'm convinced that when we seek what's best for others, we gain the best for ourselves. I believe now, after almost seven years here, that membership should be taken as vows. A promise to give and to work and to help. When I was younger, I didn't understand that church commitment. All in and wide open. That's the way we change lives. And it's the way we grow ourselves. The church is Jesus' greatest gift to us. And I'm convinced that we have yet to scratch the surface of what we can do together in His name. Amen? I want to warn you too. This gets really real here. Satan does not like landmark. And the quickest way for him to destroy us as a whole is by attacking us individually. The enemy has driven wedges between me and my life group leader before. He has put thoughts in my head that maybe I would be happier in another church body. He has told me that I'm too tired to serve or that I would be happier uh, or that there are, there are enough members to handle it without me. I've had times when I was convinced that I should um, be ashamed or that others here don't really get me. I felt isolated and angry when things here were not what I thought they should be. I believe that you will feel many similar feelings, and it will make you want to become half-hearted or even leave. I'm asking you to be on guard against that. Know the attacks will come, and know that with faith and trust, God will give you eyes to see where Satan is reaping destruction. Church membership, I believe, is a place of complete surrender. It's a place where you must have courage and vulnerability to both give and to receive love. It is a daunting task to risk ourselves this way, especially not knowing what the end results will be. I think it takes, it requires us to push past our reflexes and share our struggles. It requires being willing to hear truth and to keep listening even when that truth stings. It requires us to trust our eldership and that they will be humble and seeking and doing their dead level best to captain the ship. It requires us to have humility and have grace and to sometimes lower our expectation. It requires us to stretch our arms and allow God to use us even when we feel incapable. And then she concludes with these words. Landmark has changed my life. I believe the legacy of my children 
will be built on the foundation that Landmark helped us lay. I have seen my husband step forward as a leader of our family, faithful and fearless. I believe one day I'll sit at the throne of my father, worshiping with these amazing people. Primarily because he has supplied us the strength to claim this as our family, our home, and our people. I really want us to be your people too. Well, I love that. And today I invite you, if you have never become a disciple of Jesus Christ, today for you to begin that by being baptized. Or if you've become a disciple at some point in your life, but Satan has crowded the important things out of your life, and it would help you today to come before this church and say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus more than anything. And my actions are going to show that. Would you please pray for me? Why don't you come right now while we stand together and sing?